Good morning, Radiant in-house, and good morning, Radiant online. We're all together, right? Uh, here together on the start of a new year, and I would kind of term it this way. Uh, here we figuratively stand on the hollowed ground of 2022. What is ahead for us? As I sit in that place, stand in that place, um, sometimes in God's people's past uh, comes to mind, like Genesis 6. Noah, build an ark. Whoa, there's a task. Exodus 3 and 4. Moses, bring my people out. I can't. I can't. Not me. I think of Exodus 19, the foot of Mount Sinai. I want you to be a kingdom of priests to the nations. Joshua, one through three. Joshua, go over, take the land. Be strong and courageous. Not because of you, but because I am with you. Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I think even think of Acts 13.4. Barnabas, Paul, they're sent out by the Spirit to the nations. Um, I believe 2022 to be one of three of the most important years in the history of this church. That's a big statement. That's a big statement. Um, 2022 is the year of gearing up for Mount Forward. Gearing up for Mount Forward. Uh, we're going to be heading on an expedition in the days ahead. And so in light of that, I kind of want to just gather us all around here online, in the house, gather us all around together. And I want to do two things in our time together this morning. One, I want to conduct an expedition brief. I want to tell you about what's coming this year on Sundays. Secondly, I want to give us an expedition call. Okay, so let's start with the expedition brief. This brief has to do with Sundays. I made mention that what's coming ahead is uh, a monumental kind of a thing. I referenced six passages, Genesis 6, Exodus 3 and 4, Exodus 19, Joshua 1 through 3, Acts 1, 8, Acts 13, 4. I'm going to call them ministry mountain moments for God's people. I mean, they were ministry mountain moments. And it's interesting in each that when you go, and then there are others in scripture for sure, but when you go and you look at those and you take a look, there's a looking back component that takes place and there's also a looking forward component that takes place. By the way, that's what so happens in the turn into a new year. You look back, you look forward. But, but then there's also at the time kind of a call and a decision about living anew in light of what's ahead. You look back and see where God has brought you at those various times. You look forward to see what mountain God has now called you to begin going after. And then there you are, let's call it at base camp, in between those mountains, and you have a decision to make. Do we stay where, we at, where we're at because it's comfortable here? Or do we proceed ahead? And uh, we here as your elders and pastors, we believe that 2022 is a year of gearing up for proceeding ahead because sitting at base camp is not the best stewardship 
of what God has entrusted to us. So we're going to gear up. And uh, let me tell you about how Sundays is playing a part of that gearing up. And I want to follow that. Look back, look forward, live anew. Look back. Looking back on the, I'll kind of even call it the organizational mountains of this church, the key mountain ministry moments of this church. I will call mountain number one out of what I think are three. Mountain number one, I'll call that Mount Launch. Mount Launch. It was our infancy years. It really began in what was 2007, and I'm carrying it through 2013. It was during that time that uh, a group of individuals in 2007 began planning for a church and then uh, launched March 2008. So that this March will be 14 years old. Yep, we're just teenager. Teenagers are unique, aren't they? Love you, teenagers. Um, we are one. And yet, at that time, uh, at launch, we were wondering if anyone was going to show up. We were wondering, and I think this is an appropriate way to say that, we were wondering if the manifest presence of God was going to show up as well. I think as we look back on Ministry Mountain 1, especially in the beginning there, man, God showed up. People showed up. And it was during that Mount Launch period and through those years that then we began figuring out, what's it like to do church in a theater? And then we see growth beyond what we expected, and now we're having to do two services in a theater. By the way, Karen and I yesterday went to a a movie over at Regal Theater, and we walked in, and we were like, oh, it smells like it did back then. And actually, it was a blessed essence of launch. Um, Sweet days. And I was figuring ministry out in a theater and handling the growth and, and, and yet seeking to stay on course, which in and of itself was a challenge enough with what was taking place. By God's grace and the work of the Spirit, uh, it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing expedition. I just even look around and see some of you who were there in those first and early days and years Mount Launch. Second ministry mountain, I would call Mount Base Place. Uh, The establishing years, 2014 to 2021, uh, this just this past year. We began in a theater and then we moved to a permanent home on the heart of the west side of Indianapolis here. Uh, This place that we now have some 30 acres, we have this beautiful facility, Um, far more people than I ever imagined in, in my mind. It's been marvelous. It's been a challenge. I understand Exodus 3 and 4 more than I ever have before. Oh God, seriously, I can't do this. I'm not cut for this. I'm just a guy who's used to small churches. And yet what God has done. Bless our hearts. That's kind of been what some of the establishing years are. They're kind of bless your heart years. By the way, you look back at the Old Testament and you see specific periods of time where God has done a new work and God has done a a, a marvelous work, an establishing work. And there's a tendency that you see where God's people kind of get stuck. 
And there's actually different kinds of stuck as I've thought about that. Uh, there's stuck that's ugly. I would call that the church in Corinth. That was just stuck and ugly. Uh, some of you may have experienced church done ugly. Uh, other times, it's kind of church that uh, gets stuck because they're lazy. I would call that the church of Laodicea. And Jesus had something to say to them in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, you could kind of play with that with a number of things. I, I kind of made mention of it, so I'll go there. There's, then there's kind of bless your hearts establishing years where you're just trying to figure things out and, and work things out. And sometimes it's just overwhelmed with the magnitude of the task and bless their hearts in it all. Um, but each time what ends up happening in that place is the question looms. So where next? So what next? It's kind of like where we're at right now, this moment. 2022 looms before us. What's going to take place this year? And, and that can be a crippling place. Uh, that can be a scary place. That can be a wonderful place. But it is a unique place. And we as a church leadership have been working on that question. So where next? How can we be wise stewards of what God has given to us as a church? And so kind of, a, if I can say it this way, as elders and pastors are answering it this way. Answer, ministry mountain number three, mount forward. Mount forward. Uh, the forward years. And I'm specifically referencing uh, 2022 to 2030. Uh, as the months go by, that'll become more clear. It could be easy for us to sit here at Mount Base Place in these years and just go, man, God's been awesome. Uh, I mean, it's like uh, God's at work and doing marvelous things and it's like all of that. And, and, and yet there's a part of it where it's kind of like, we don't want more to pat ourselves on the back. We don't want more just to be busy and annoying. We don't want more for the wrong reasons. But at the same time, God has entrusted us. And whether it's with a business or an organization, whether it's with a relationship or with a family, whether it's with the church, there's a thing that looms there of, Lord, what would you have for us that we can coalesce and focus and proceed ahead for your glory in it all? Well, that's what Ministry Mountain 3 is about. We believe that these coming years are years for us for strategic equipping and mobilizing in ways we've never known and in ways we're still working to figure out. But this present year is a gearing up year. You know, you're kind of base place. You see the mountain. It's like, we're going there. And it's like, okay, everybody, let's get together and, and let's get it ready for it. That's what this year is about. And particularly Sundays are a part of that. And so uh, I just want to let you know what's happening this year with sermons on Sundays. So here's uh, three key series that we're going to be uh, walking in this year. First one, uh, the purpose of it is really to gear up as an aligned people. You got to be in alignment together in order to head somewhere together. So I'm going to be taking these next four Sundays and I'm going to be bringing us back to what we've actually done some reworking on our mission statement and our 
four core values and our 2030 vision and our three W's on the wall, we're calling our outcomes, what we desire to see take place. And each week I'm gonna take one of those and we're gonna gird ourselves around those and, and what that is. We've had so many new people coming here in the last months and years that it's like, this is a great time for us all just to come together and bring ourselves and like, yeah, that's what we're about. Yeah, that's, that's what's core on the table. And the name of that series is gonna be Forward. Uh, forward uh, with that. Then in June, or I'm sorry, in February through June, uh, for those weeks, uh, the goal is going to be gearing up as an equipped people. It's going to be a five-month-plus series on growing forward, called Growing Forward. Um, This is going to be what I might say the most comprehensive, most getting after it, most pragmatic, most uh, I mean this in a positive way. Methodology. Methodolo- We're going to do it in a strategic way. <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. Okay, and, and so we're going to head that way. And, and what it's about is growing as individuals and as a people in Christ. What does it mean? What does it look like for real to be growing and changing in Christ? That series is going to really be grouped in kind of three mini-series within it. Uh, Five Sundays, the first five Sundays in February and moving into March, are going to be looking back. We're going to look back. Uh, We're going to go to Genesis 1 through 3. Uh, If you've been around here, I go back there all the time. Because if you don't understand where you came from, you don't understand where you're at. And so I'm going to do it in a kind of a way, exegetical way, really like I've never done here in a chapter each of those weeks. Um, If we don't know who made us, why we're made, and where we're living at, including why this place is broken, we will not understand what it is to grow and change in Christ. If we don't know where we came from, we don't know where we live. And so that's going to be about that. Genesis 1 through 3, and likely I'll be taking Psalm 139 in that series as well. Then uh, after that, we're going to have three Sundays, so look back, and then we're going to look forward. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Revelation uh, 19 and 20, and 21 and 22, and I'll likely actually begin those three weeks with going to Ecclesiastes 3. Um, If we don't know where we came from, we don't know where we are. And if we don't know where we're headed, we don't know why now matters. I want to connect those dots. And that's why I say, using the second word strategically, um, strategically bringing us together, uh, taking the time for us to understand. At the beginning of all this, I'm going to be asking for everybody to uh, give you a couple weeks and you're going to select two things that you want to be growing and changing on in your life. Two things. One, that you're able to share with others, with your family, with your small group uh, here at church. Something you can be sharing with others that you're growing and changing for God's glory in. And a second thing that's between you and the Lord. 
Okay, and there's two things that I want everybody to be, those are the two that I'm working on. It's gonna be different for everybody. And yet every week through this, looking back, looking forward, I'm going to be pulling out of that why that matters to how to change and grow in the things that you're looking at changing and growing in. So we're gonna look back and then we're gonna look forward and then I'm gonna pull it back. Uh, that'll lead us actually right to uh, the second Sunday before Easter. So the Sunday before Easter, we're gonna go to the cross. That's a good thing, right? We're gonna go to the cross and oh, and even better, down on Easter, we're going to the resurrection. Because you look back, you look forward and if you don't understand the cross and the resurrection and the reality of it, you don't understand about the hope for change. So we're going to do that. Then after Easter, we're going to be keying in on the next five, uh, I'm sorry, two and a half months of what it is to look like living new. And we're going to get in scripture and we're going to get practical and pragmatic and how to grow and change. Because friends, why? Because if we're not a growing in Christ people, we're not a glorifying Christ people. Plus, if we're not a growing in glorifying Christ people, we will never be a going for Christ people. So we're going to all together, we're going to coalesce and get after it. Think of this. Think of this, a, a church of our size that where everybody is working for God's glory and seeing change in our lives. I'm telling you, I want to be at that place. I want to be around those people. People that are changing and growing in Christ for real in their own life. That, I'm tell, that cranks me up. Yeah. Oh, I could go on. Gearing up as an aligned people, forward. Gearing up as an equipped people, growing forward. And then the third series is going to have the objective of gearing up as a mobilized people. August, September, and October. We're going to be diving into God's word onto what it is to be a commissioned people. The word commissioned, it means a duly authorized with a task people. A duly authorized tasked people. Series title for that is going to be Sent Forward. Throughout redemptive history, God's people have always been a commissioned people. You go to Adam and Eve, Genesis 1.28, Noah, Genesis 9, Abraham, Genesis 12, Israelites, Exodus 11, disciples, Matthew 28, Acts 1.8, Paul, Acts 13.4. Throughout scripture, God's people are always a sent people. They are a commissioned people. And we're going to lean into that like we've never leaned into that before. By the way, did you notice a key word in these three series? What's that word? Forward. It's not that like there's problems now. It's not, I'm just, it's not that. It's just forward. Not more for us, more for God's glory. By the work of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, a people fired up, increasingly so, for the Lord's glory. Booyah! Okay, that's where we're headed. And if you're visiting with us this year, is going to be a year you're going to learn more about this church than you can imagine. Because we're just getting into real as we head into this year. So with that, I'd like to just pause before I uh, take a moment and give an expedition call and let's pray. All right, would you just uh, 
Come along with me as I pray. Lord, we step into this year. We have no idea what's ahead. But you know every detail, every word, every breath, every situation, every scenario. There is not going to be one nanosecond in this coming year that you are shocked. But we don't see all of that. And so we venture into it with a sense of anticipation. I pray a sense of excitement. And the truth of the matter is a sense of the unknown. But we do know from your word that you call us to be a people who are with you, abiding in you, loving you, loving one another, loving this world. And we want to be a people that are good stewards of what you have given to us. So God, do a work that is above and beyond our wildest imagination, not for our glory, but blow us away that we would see you more. In Christ's name we pray, right church family? And all God's people said, you can say amen twice, that's good. Expedition call, would you please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to tell you right up front, I was not expecting to go to this passage. I will just say I was compelled to it. We can have all the greatest intentions, all the greatest designs, strategies. And we Western people, we love that kind of stuff. But if we do not have this, We have nothing. Hey friends, without this thing, we have nothing. And I'm compelled to put this on the table. Because of what it says. 1 Corinthians 13, maybe you first thinking, oh, that's the wedding chapter. How sweet and how romantic. That is. The truth of the matter is, is that is actually not the sense of agape. Agape love is not romance. Agape love is a warrior love. Let's see, like a, a movie. Like gladiator. <laughs> Start the year out, baby. It's that kind of a thing. It's that kind of a thing. I just want to take some moments here because without this thing, we have nothing. Local, the local church in Corinth was a church that was less than 10 years old. It's a young church. That's interesting. It was a church that God had done quite a significant work. 
And yet by the time Paul is writing them at their stage, they have become a local church that is a train wreck. Oh God, I pray, not here. I'll just note chapter 11, it's fascinating. Chapter 11, verse 19, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you must be recognized. You know, see, some people seek for the perfect local church, for the church that has no problems in it. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Actually, the good kind of church is a kind of church that actually has some factions in it because when there's some factions in it, that's when maturity shows up. Doug, are you alluding to something here? No, I'm not alluding to it all. I'm just telling you what's in the text that's moving along. I don't think that is the case. But then you come to chapter 11 and it says that. Then you come to chapter 12 and it has this thing where it talks about how this were to be a, a, a unified plurality of people. <laughs> it shouldn't be friction. Your uniquenesses shouldn't be friction. Your uniquenesses should actually be a united body. You see, some of you are ears and eyes and nose and mouth and hands and feet that God has gifted. And, and those are intended not to be fighting against each other, uh, but to be a divine organism that is functioning for the glory of God as designed by God. That, that's what a local church is to be. Not all the same people, but unique, working in unison for the very same purpose. Then you come to chapter 13, and it's like, if you want to be a real deal group of people, there's a more excellent way, and it's called the agape way. Because you can even work out problems, you can even be a people that are unified together, but if you don't have this thing, you got nothing. Radiant. This year, we are going to be working to be a church that is more strategically and more in reality an equipping place and a mobilizing place. But if we don't have this, we got nothing. Let me begin reading, and actually I'd like to begin reading with the very last sentence of chapter 12. I think kind of coming out of chapter 11 and 12, that's why I pulled those in. Then it's like, and I show you a more excellent way. What's the more excellent way? Answer, the agape way. Chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm going to call it agape, but have not agape, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, I'm so grateful for the drummers here and just how they uh, participate and play in and bring that, all that they bring here to the music. But man, uh, put, put one of the drummers back here and just have them bong, 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 bong on the cymbal. And it's like in about 10 seconds, we're like, stop, right? Would you please stop? You are annoying me now. Isn't it interesting how quickly you can go from actually something that is a beautiful part of the whole to something that is very annoying? And Paul is saying here, you can be a gong or a clanging symbol like that. Verse two, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not agape, I am what? Verse three, if I give away all I have, 
And if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not agape, I gain what? Paul is uh, using hyperbole here. He's using uh, exaggerated illustrations here. They're real, but they're kind of pushed to the limits of it. He's kind of like uh, trying to help us see the grandness of what he's trying to put across. And it's interesting here that he uses himself in it. He doesn't start out by saying, if you are. He says, if I am. And in this, he's kind of saying, if I am the ultimate ninja warrior of languages and linguistics, but if I do not have this thing called agape, I'm nothing. If I am the ultimate ninja warrior of proclaiming or understanding or being a mystery solver or being a moving mountains faith prayer or if I am the ultimate philanthropist or the ultimate martyr. But if I am not a living agape, I gain nothing. I don't think we understand the radicalness of this. And I'm just putting myself on the table. We in our first world mindsets, we think that achievement is the ultimate thing. Let me say it this way. We in our first world American mindsets, we think that achievement is the cake. And if we can love people, that's the icing. Paul is saying that is utterly backwards, utterly upside down, utterly inside out. The fact of the matter is, is agape is the cake. We tend to think, cheat, achieve, attain, conquer. And, you know, and while we're doing that, if we have time, if we have headspace, if we have the energy to love other people like he's about to tell us, then that's awesome. Then that's icing on the cake. Agape is a gladiator to war, to your death. It is a tenacious, climbing mountain activity that is the cake of life. Because without it, you and I are nothing. And without it, you and I gain nothing. And churches can put their attendance numbers, their programs, their structures, out for all to see and compare. But if a church, as if individuals, are not agape 
Not only is it nothing, but it gains nothing. Boom! General observation now that I'm 60. Have you noticed that we tend to make things about ourselves? Have you picked that up? It's taken me a long time. But I'm kind of picking that up. I'll even go to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Spiritual gifts. First world Americans. I want to take a gift analysis test. Find whatever. And I found my gift. By the way, I'm just going to note, 1 Corinthians 12 does not even say you need to know what your gift is. Did you know that? I actually think 1 Corinthians 12 is telling us, listen, you know this. God has gifted you. Go love God's people. Knowing that God has gifted everyone and I will do a work. No, but the way we are, I got to know what my thing is. And then once I found out what my thing, you know, I have the gift of mercy. I have the gift of teaching. I have the gift of administration. I have the gift of evangelism. You know, and then once I found out what my thing is, is now the church is supposed to develop something for my thing because my thing needs to shine as my thing. And by the way, in it, we begin to judge one another because then it's like, well, you aren't merciful and you aren't evangelizing and you aren't this. And, I, and you turn into Corinth. I am so excited about this year. But if we don't continue and grow in this, we have nothing and we gain nothing. And that's radical. In fact, let me just tag a couple other passages that reference agape. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Answer, agape God and agape one another. Pretty important. John 13, 34 to 35. Listen to this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By what? By what? What, Jesus? What is the thing? Answer, and it is what? Agape. Oh, tell us about your programs. Oh, tell us about your strategy. Oh, tell us about how you're conquering yourselves to become the coolest place on the face of the earth. That's where we go. How about... Now, there's a place. They are not perfect. Man, they do some things really well, and they do some things not well. But I'm telling you, the people there, dude, dudeo in Greek. <laughs> they, they love God like I've never seen before. And they love one another like I've never seen before. And they love their communities like I've never seen before. Oh, not because of their programs, but because of the people have this thing going on. And what is that thing? It is the agape thing. Because without it, 
we are nothing. And without it, we gain nothing. John 59, as the Father has agaped me, so I have agaped you. Abide in my agape. Do you know this? That here in just a second, we're going to take just a few minutes to go through what these things that are stated. Do you know that the Lord agapes you? When we go through this list here, you just revel in the fact that all of these 100% of the 100% of the time, our God is doing that with you and me. In all our loserness, in all our failure, in all our bless our hearts, it's a beautiful thing. So what is this agape thing? Verse four. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. irritable. Man, are you already feeling the weight? Or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, agape bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures how many things? Let's just quickly go down these, a comment on each. Agape is patient. Agape is patient with people. The Bible does talk about being patient with your circumstances, but that's actually the rarity. When you follow patience in scripture, the vast majority of the time, patience is talked about in scripture, it's having to do with people. Agape is that. It's patient with people. Agape is kind. It's active goodwill. And it goes hand in hand with patience. It's not just patient with It's patient and kind with. It is not envious. It's not active jealousy. It's not actively jealous of another's popularity or position or success or beauty or talent. It's not feeling like I got gypped. It is not envious. Agape is not boasting. It's not self-parading. It's not self-parading your accomplishments. By the way, whether loudly or quietly, I suggest we can parade our accomplishments without saying a word, but just how we handle ourselves. not arrogant, not self-important. It's not jaded in self-pride. Verse five, it's not rude. It's not ill-behaved. It's not lacking sensitivity to those around. Yeah, but you see, God made me a truth teller. Okay. But what does scripture say? Speak the truth in love. 
Hey, friend, if that's you, you already have one area to grow in. It's being a truther and lover. Not rude. It's not insistent. Uh, One illustration and I'll move on to the next. Daddy, I want a golden ticket. (laughs) Not that. Next. Not irritable. Not testy or touchy. Not grouchy, moody, easily angered. By the way, if you're thinking of the person right next to you, you're in the wrong place. I'm serious about that. Because the text is talking to you and to me. Not resentful. Not brooding over being wronged. International Version, it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not reread how others have wronged you. Straight on the table. Area of growth for me. You cannot do life with people. For the nearly 20 years of vocational ministry that I've done, you cannot do ministry with people without having a baggage load of being wronged. I got to grow in that. It's time to lay it at the altar. Right? Quickly, verse 6 rejoices in the truth. Truth rejoicing. does not laugh, it does not smirk at wrongdoing. Hey friends, there are some things don't laugh at. At work, at school, don't laugh with it. It's not funny because it's not truth. Bears all things, it shoulders all things. Gape endures, it feels the pain of life and others and it carries on in the pain. It never protects sin but is anxious to protect the sinner. Believes all things. It gives credit. It's not suspicious or cynical. Opts for the most favorable possibility first. It opts to consider innocence before guilt. Ouch, huh? Agape hopes all things. Confident expectation. Here we are at the beginning of the year. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I hope it's a good year. Hey, friends, know this. Your God already's got it. And so we can run into this year with a true hope, not a willy-nilly fuzzy ball hope. Hopes all things, endures all things, hupomeno. The agape man, the agape woman remains. It loves when it's hard to love. It endures what any love, other kind of love can do. Agape is a warrior. And then last, and I'll close. 
Verse 8, agape never ends. And with that, I'd like to make a note. All of these things that are listed on the center screen here uh, of these aspects of what it is. What, what, what agape is not, agape is not, well, that one now and that one later and that one later. It's actually all of them all the time. There's no question. It's like there's some certain things that we can get after. And, and I would, I'm going to assume that, that even for you as we move ahead and like what two things are you going to be growing in, probably one of them are up there. But on the whole of it, understand this, agape is the whole deal. All the time. Hey, uh, could, we, could we grow in this? We're going to get after it this year as a people together because none of us have it figured out. None of us have it all together. Broken getting after it together though. We could have the greatest discipleship plans for children and student and adult ministries, but if agape is not living here, we're nothing. We could have the best programs for raising leaders and implementing new leadership structures. But if agape is not living amongst us, we could be the best church there ever was at preaching and declaring and teaching. But if agape is not living here, we are nothing. We could have the most beautiful and welcoming campus on the west side of Indianapolis. But if agape is not living here. We could be in the best financially positioned church, we could be the best financially positioned church possible, but if agape is not living here, we gain nothing. We could have the best communications and graphics and music and small groups and small group facilitators. We could have the best classes, the best conferences here ever, but if agape is not here, We could structure the most amazing plans to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel, but if agape is not living here. We could be a church planting machine, but if agape is not living here. We could have the best ever mission statement, core values, 2030 vision, ministry outcomes stated. But if agape is not being lived here, we are nothing and we gain nothing. Worship team, if you would come. Without the power and the presence of our radiant God, we're just another organization. Without agape, we're just a bunch of clanging, annoying symbols. And so here we stand on the hollowed, hollowed ground of entering 2022, and we have a question to ask ourselves. 
deeper. And greater for God's glory in us? Or do we just want to be comfortable? In the coming months, would you please be praying for your elders and pastors and the staff here as we continue to put plans together? Pray for us, pray for you. The Lord would do a work in you and in us in a way that we have never seen before. May God's name be glorified. Amen? Hey, instead of me finishing with a prayer, I'd like us to sing a prayer. Worship team. Will you lead?